didn't see it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Hey, it's Mark here, and welcome to another episode of Didn't See It Coming. Now, normally this show is all about uh, interviewing people who have figured out some new brand innovation who are looking into the future of what the next is as far as brand goes. But you know, I had a conversation the other day and it inspired me to do a show about what shouldn't change. All I talk about is things that are changing, but you know, there are some things that are fundamental about brands that just shouldn't change. Now, I want to introduce my guest. Jim Bottomley is a brand consultant. I know that sounds kind of funny because I'm a brand consultant, so it's like uh, I'm interviewing somebody who, who does a lot of the same stuff as me, but talking to Jim just brought to mind that there are some fundamentals that we see again and again that brands are walking past in their quest for the bright and shiny and they're making a mess of things. Jim, welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, now, so you and I are, you know, we've been uh, we've been around the block once or twice. We're both working a lot in tech. We're working a lot in, in, uh, in, in brands, uh, packaged goods, the whole nine yards. Uh, and, and we've been in it long enough to have seen a few evolutions. I mean, I've been around long enough to see electricity invented and, and uh, the moving typewriter and, and stuff like that. But you've been around for quite a while. Give us well, a little bit I was of even in an office as I used to work for Quaker Oats and branding, marketing, and kennel ration, puss and boots. And we still had memos being handed around by a mail person ringing around the menu, memo. So, yeah, you, this was the Stone Age days. You were sure. working with Quaker when the Amish were running the show. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, pretty you, much. you knew the original Although Quaker. it's one of the oldest brands actually in the world. Uh, Quaker Oats. Really? It was actually originally horse food uh, as a side. Are you serious? And they had to convert people to actually accept it as human food. That's so it was an interesting, funny. even that as one of the first brands was an interesting brand story. That's funny. You know, you know it, it's, it's funny. I, I worked on Proctor a lot. And Proctor was an awesome company. It was a bit like the Catholic. I work with them too. You yeah, work with so, Proctor, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is just gonna yeah. waltz down memory lane here. But <laughs> I remember working with Proctor. It was such an awesome place to work because they had this philosophy for the brand managers: you go up or out. And they trained them. It was like the Catholic Church. You trained, you know, when to kneel, when to stand, when to do everything. You didn't understand anything, but they trained you, so you had the rituals down so well. And they created these fantastic brand managers who understood brands. And then you could either go up in the organization or go out, which meant that Proctor, in a way, was like the missionaries. They would send people out into the world who would then take over other brands. And I think they made the world a better place and they trained well, us. Yeah, and I think that because uh, anyone in the grocery business, it's such a sharky, competitive world. You know, 20,000 new products are pitched plus every year. And which ones make it onto the shelf becomes a real issue. Mm-hmm. And it's so competitive that you have to have your marketing act together if you really want to do well there. So anyone that kind of cut their teeth in that kind of milieu of uh, packaged goods marketing yeah. typically has some really sound fundamentals that help them in even today's world of social media and all the other uh, tools. You know what blew me away too was, you know, they, they talk, uh, I remember in the, the, the O-naughts to the 2010s, uh, the new thing was uh, data, big data. Everything is big data and we could count and measure everything. And I, for, I personally find it wonderful, but at the same time, you know, uh, there was this, this scenario where uh, a victory, when I worked on Budweiser, on Proctor, uh, a victory was 0.05 to one point. 
uh, growth oh, in yeah. share. Yeah. And, and that was celebrated as setting the world on fire. And now you're doing all this big data and data counting. You're going, you know, I can track 15, 20% changes overnight. And then it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. And, you know, I think there's a real discipline that went away in sort of building the system as opposed to let's try it. Oh, let's pull it back. Let's mm -hmm. try it. Let's pull mm -hmm. it back. That's what we see today. Yeah, and I think that, you know, part of it is that there's an overwhelming amount of information available, and all of it is kind of daunting in trying to figure out, well, what's relevant, and why is it really important, and what do I actually use in making a decision around brand or marketing? And that's where, you know, it comes right down to the fundamentals that uh, business equals need satisfaction, period. Yeah. Every human being is a walking need bundle of a mix of needs. Yeah. Every purchase has a number of needs associated with that purchase, and the real source of all branding, the success at every packaged good product comes from having a better benefit, a need that they meet in a better way than the other options available. And if you don't have that, by the way, you're in trouble, usually, and you will lose in a packaged good world, but this also applies even in a small business world. Now, the, the, it brings me back, though, to uh, today, uh, you know, with the, the, the advent of apps and, and digital services that you can tweak and tweak and modify, that a lot of times now what we're seeing is uh, solutions in search of problems. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to having a better benefit, uh, people are inventing things that are going, I just love this. And you go, well, who's it for and what's it going to solve? Ah, uh, who cares? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, and yeah, I yeah. think there's something to be learned well, I, there. I mean, I've learned that the, the more you love the technology, the more the technology tends to rule the, the world, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so the messages tend to be about technology. I mean, you, even if we take Word, the Word software, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to be all things to all people that are typing and writing words, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, what that usually means is a recipe for failure because no business can be all things to all people. There's no successful example of that in history. You've mm -hmm. got to have a niche or a target group. You can't mm -hmm. be everything and anyone. And if you do target, you save money in marketing because then you can reach those people in a more efficient way. Mm -hmm. And in fact, even on a, on a micro level, every business has more than one target. And if you look at them separately as separate businesses and market them in a separate way, you get a, a collective better benefit in terms of the, the impact of your spending, uh, the attraction to the customers, even your profitability is based on the better benefit. Because the only way a customer can uh, justify a higher price is to have a better benefit. Has the USP, the unique selling product, Proposition been forgotten? Yeah, I think that in many ways it has. You know, when I ask what business they're in, almost invariably that isn't the answer that people give is the better benefit of what they do. And talk, in fact, talk to me about that because you had a great story about, you know, when you first start with companies. I, I do the same thing, but I'd love to hear it from you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I work with a lot of manufacturers, so I, I tour the plant and they always want to uh, uh, excite me about the tour, right? And so it's all about a parade of how. So you go through the plant, it's how they do this and how they do that and how they do this. And by the way, Mark, I'm not a really good how guy. I'm not a real technical expert. I'm looking at the result of that how and, you know, does it impact the customer because they do this how? Is that a better how than what other do for a customer's and impact, you know? And so at the end of the day, I'm in the boardroom and, and invariably uh, the, the leadership then joins me and I say, after they ask, do you have any questions? I say, yeah, what business are you in? And they look at me like, oh my God, we picked the wrong consultant because he's toured the plan. He doesn't know. But I know whether I can help them or not based on their answer. So if you, you know, if you'd asked Smith Corona what business they're in, they would have happily and merrily said, we're in the typewriter business. Well, they went bankrupt thinking that. They yeah. were actually in efficient word processing. Yeah. Their how needs to change. Yeah. Right? Now, do you find, do you find that, uh, that this seems to be like, I, I know 
let me backtrack. I know when I see young kids walking around with ACDC t-shirts and you ask them about this band they just discovered called ACDC and it's like they invented it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's super funny. Uh, my personal experience is that when I talk to people about this, especially people, you know, cause like I said, I've been around a few times. Uh, when I talk to young business people, it's like they've just discovered that it has to come with a consumer benefit. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. It's a shame because it's almost the discipline that was handed down from generation to generation at Procter and, and General Mills and Ford and Coca-Cola, somehow they lost that. Well, you know, it, it's, it's been reinforced that losing it in so many ways. So typically, how do we start a planning exercise, strategic planning? We start with a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, mm. threats. Well, that's a huge mistake today to begin with that, because if you'd ask Smith Corona that, they would say, well, we're really good at making typewriters. Aren't mm -hmm. we fantastic? Mm -hmm. That's not uh, instituting change. It's actually going to resist any change to the house because that's the how they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you determine what is your better benefit and you've got a better benefit, then all of a sudden, what are your strengths and weaknesses? It's a whole different set of answers to that so that they can actually galvanize that better benefit to fruition. So it's a different set of planning uh, answers all the way through. How do you how do you start an engagement? I mean, you're the big deal that you talk about. You talk about better benefit a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, pr I probably have to pay a nickel every time I say it. Well, you know, I've used that because, <laughs> you know, the, again, these terms change over time. The unique selling point, the yeah. uh, differentiation. There's there's different terms for yeah. it. It all basically They're means all the same. Thing. thing. However, the better benefit is actually what it is. Yeah. It's, the, it's not the feature. It's what the feature does for you. And you should be taking a high need priority that the customer really cares about. So in other words, I was in new product development in cat food and dog food, cattle ration, puss and boots. And um, so, you know, we're trying to come up with a new brand. Well, we, you have to determine where the, a better benefit lies somewhere in the marketplace that improves that product over others. Yeah. And in fact, you know, you, the more you understand the customer and the need suite of needs and that, that kind of uh, uh, priority base, the more you can come up with that better benefit. So, you know, if you tell me what brand of cat food you buy, I'll tell you exactly your attitude to your cat, the psychographics of it. Mm -hmm. If you tell me the psychographics, I'll tell you here's the brand you're likely to buy. Mm -hmm. So if you tell me I, my need priorities and I buy mainstream in grocery stores and I buy brands for my, my cat and, and you say the priority is uh, taste for the cat which means likely not uh, a boxed dry product because the cats like. Mm -hmm. We actually would test 5,000 cats in Chicago and we'd get the answers of what they liked or didn't like. You Those, know, were the days, eh? Those were the days, Those were the days, eh? Yeah. Sitting in a dark room with watching cats <laughs> watching and moderators. Watching cats and, yeah. Well, I'd get the report. <laughs> I didn't watch them that much. Although we did do a, a, a TV advertisement. We brought in the most highly trained cat for the Puss in Boots commercial. And of course, I don't think there is any highly trained cat. The thing was still scratching the trainer. just filled if the cheated one was filling in the form. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the whole point is that um, yeah, you have to really understand the needs. And every product lies, lives and dies on the better benefit. Tide cleanest, Cottonelle mm -hmm. softest. So they're always researching Tide to try to make sure that it is getting things cleaner. So now with new blue crystals to make, you know, the Tide uh -huh. cleaner. And they have other brands. They got ABC, which is a reliable brand name that doesn't get clothes as clean, but is a good brand that is mm -hmm. cheaper. Yeah. Right? So you can have more than one product. And that's really key. So a good example, I'll give you an example of better benefits for small business.
business and how this works. So I was working with a resort, and uh, they had um, uh, cottages that they rented to tourists, right? So when I go in, and this is kind of the beginning of the engagement, I want to say, who do you serve? And let's talk about your customers and their needs. Let's brainstorm the needs that yeah. you serve or could potentially serve. That's yeah. how I start because it's all about needs. And as a futurist, I look at what needs are improving because you should line up. If you're going to make a, a solid, better benefit, you're going to line up a growing need that's a priority to a certain target that you can understand who they are so you can reach them and that you're offering it in a better way than what they can get now. If you line those trees up, you've got a successful potential new product. <laughs> you've got a business that can make money. So in part, I own an entrepreneurship training company, and all our grads have to have better benefits or we don't let them launch. So, people. People yeah, with better benefits, yeah. People with better benefits. So, you know, um, in essence, I can make clothing of any type. Well, now they make camouflage wear for hunters that's quieter for the hunt and more comfortable for a mm -hmm. more successful hunt. Uh, you know, you could make uh, jam of any type. Well, grandma's heritage jam in pioneer gift shops makes that person more money mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and it's made like grandma did and so mm -hmm. on so you're looking for your niche where there's actually a better benefit that can support a higher price and, and have a customer base that's excited about that it's not for everybody anybody it's for that individual group that target group. now you hit on something that that i i don't often drive into but um i, I always created like a battle a battlefield where i look at what the competitors are doing out there yeah, yeah what your consumers are looking for what need there is not being met and what need you could meet but this whole idea idea of ascending need yeah. is something you dig into and I want to I want to I want to okay so let me give you, how let me, do you do that okay let me give you the example then of the resort that's what I was kind of getting to in my long-winded mm -hmm. way so uh, in essence when we said who are the targets we and, and how do you get one target for another I say if it's a different need priority that they're going after it's a different target group mm -hmm. and start your marketing uh, as far as targeting by the need because you know I used to teach marketing at university and if you say to students you know what's the car industry target marketing they'll go, well, demographics, there's old people, young people, and mm -hmm. well, that doesn't really help. But if you said one of the needs is the excitement of speed, the danger of speed mm -hmm. and the excitement of it, well, then you've got three targets starting to shape up. Mm -hmm. you got the traditional male, the younger male that mm -hmm. wants to be hot and, and, and sort of sexy. you got the empowered woman, which is a real growing mm -hmm. group. And you've got menopausal males, which is, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the major target cheaper market than, cheaper than for Harley Davidson. Cheaper than a second wife, <laughs> right. right. So in, in, in essence, when I'm talking to this resort, what we found out is there's two targets groups and she would send out one newsletter every February to all the ex-clients saying hey why'd you book again at our resort well <clears throat> yeah what we got into was the two target groups so there's US fishermen that come up in groups to right. fish what are their key needs what are their need priorities well lots of fish big fish and beer yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the other target was young families, mothers, particularly planning the vacation with their families and their kids. And what did they want? They wanted safe environment for their kids with some downtime for them to enjoy themselves. And drunk old fishermen. Yeah. And well, do they even match? <laughs> can you serve both? Right. So yes, I, I can serve both because in the cabins with the fishermen are separate from the I cabins with the family. You got to put so them a little two ways in the away. Morning, yeah. yeah. The drunk fishermen telling the stories won't be heard by you know yeah, the crying the kid. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah so funny. yeah. So she could separate the too. She could deliver, which was good. And so then our quest is on find the better benefit. And, you know, make the long story short, here's what we came up with. Mm -hmm. And when we brainstormed how many needs are in the purchase decision, you know, 57, I think, was the number. Okay. Wow. So in terms of brainstorming the needs with the fishermen, one of the things was, well, if they had fishing guides, they'd catch more fish. They're the only resort in Ontario that offers free fishing guides to maximize your fishing. 
Oh, you catch. told me this story. You told me this yeah, was about yeah. where they hired all the guys who were retirees. Yeah, they all, and they were all retirees the fish around the fish. Yeah. So the, the guys got big stories of fishing. They yeah. got to drink beer with Canadians and yeah. swap their stories and, and have a social time. So that was a huge win. And then that newsletter only goes to the fishermen. So you, now you have two newsletters, uh -huh. right? Not just one. Yeah. And that one, what are you going to show as far as your advertising and your pictures? You're going to show big fish, beer, and swapping stories and holding up big fish, right? Mm -hmm. Now, on the families with kids, it was a completely different thing. What we then said is that they have, they hired a bunch of uh, university students and they, they take them on eco-adventures, on, on guided eco-adventures mm -hmm. for your child, um, and so that you can have downtime to relax. So then when we took the uh, brochure that was then going to be put out to, to the family side, we showed uh, a couple with their feet up on the porch. You could see that they were relaxing with the wine in the background. You could see the beach. I had them uh, paint a red cross on the lifeguard tower to emphasize the safety. Mm -hmm. And then the kids were all being, you know, having some game be by, by mm -hmm. kind of guides. And the other aspect about it was that uh, we had a ceremony where each child that stayed there, we planted a tree as a ceremony. Oh, nice. now, why do you think we do that, Mark? Well, I mean, so they keep coming back to check out the yeah, trees, right? Yeah, they'll definitely come back to see their tree with their kids later, that's, right? That's cheating, man. Yeah, so, so then what, what happened was I think there was a 60% increase in inquiries for the fishing and a 40-something-5% increase for the, the families with the kids. So nice. I've just learned that in all aspects of whether it's a small business, whether it's a one-person show, whether it's a big operation, you are your better benefits. And in fact, those change over time because you should be monitoring the world for how are the needs changing? Is there a new need or a mm -hmm. growing need? So after after 9-11, uh, uh, safety and security is up the flagpole in every mm -hmm. decision, right? So you can look at where are the hotter needs growing or not and looking at kind of stacking them or adding to them. And the whole quest is on to make sure that you have a relevant, better benefit. That's the source of product uh, success, service success, profitability, and attracting attention. Talk to me about research. How do you get to these Oh. Well, you know, what's that's your what's your favorite choice? I mean, personally, I, I find nothing is better than personal interviews mm -hmm. and and scanning the inter internet for sort of just broad based stuff to start the questions. Yeah, that's a really difficult one for me because I'm I'm primarily if you ask me what am I? I'm a futurist, which is not a real big sell point in Canada, by the way, because people are very skeptical. Uh -huh. of, futurists don't know anything. What the hell can uh -huh. you predict the future with? And and of course, I don't predict an exact number, an exact time, because you'll be wrong. But certainly, you can get overall sense of change by looking at how needs change. So that's the the yeah. relevance for me is I'm looking at technology and, and it's the start of change. It'll bubble into the economy and change the nature of jobs and mm -hmm. how we work. That's really relevant today as we move into AI even more so. Um, and that causes social issues, okay? So right now we're into a major factor that's part of the Trump play where people are suspicious of the global economy, uh, that it may not be fair for all, and certainly there's been an, an, an equality taken mm -hmm. around that, and so there's social issues that break out of that. That moves into uh, demographics, may or may not affect birth rates and where people move and live and, they, and by age what we do. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day is when the political and legal community, community tackles the change. They're the last in the stream. That's why lobbying takes place from technology to the last stage because they won't be aware of the changes. Mm -hmm. um, right now we're into the, probably the biggest change in human history. I think we're entering a fifth economy. I call it the innovation age. Uh, but what it means is that technology that drives change, there's so many fundamental changes that the technology is bringing and how it'll coalesce 
that every how is now changing. Mm -hmm. So we're in a real changing time. Change causes stress. So one of the big strengths in any field is how do you reduce the stress of those that are dealing with you? Right. Stress relief's a big winner. Right, right, right. I always talk about the the um, always being one operating system behind, mm -hmm. and how people are going catatonic because they're just they're always one operating system behind you. You get a new phone, you just figure out how to use it. Then you get a new computer, you ha can't figure out how to use it. Then yeah. they get a new phone again, and then you get a music. Yeah. You can't figure out how to use any of these. Well, things. you know, two things are happening that are repetitive in history. One is uh, in the transformation from steam to electric. That period, there was about a 30, 40 year period with really bad economic results. And if you think of it at the micro level, if you were running a factory then and there's a new electric motor, are you going to just convert your whole factory at once? You'll probably bring in one electric motor, try, try to stitch it in with the steam yeah, yeah. route and see if it works. And, and you of had course, five it years, didn't work very well. And you, and you had five years to figure it out. Now, you know, and it's similar again to the start of the rail industry because anytime anything was shipped across uh, geographic zones, you had to go to different tracks because there's no standard tracks. You had mm -hmm. to ship, you know, remove the whole load, put it on the new tracks. So, mm -hmm. so we're in the both of those things are at play now. We're, we're kind of in that transition to steam and electric in the sense of moving from analog to digital. It's not all working. We're trying to knit them together. Oh my God, the legacy and trying to make the legacy work at retail levels to new kind of customer methods and oh my God, oh, which software and how do I go about it? And oh, you know, it's funny. I was just uh, having this conversation. It's just having this conversation with one of my, with my team uh, before I came to meet you. And one of the, one of the programs that I bought is called Zapier. And Zapier is basically a translator that stitches things together. It's it's that loader that takes the load off one type of locomotive onto another locomotive, but it's a digital version of that. Uh, it, interesting. It gets it gets your it gets your mail program talking to your lead gen program talking to your uh, WordPress program, right. and you're going, oh my god, there it's all these things. Well, are, sales it, and inventory control oh, are a hard thing to knit together it, it's in like today's a, it's, world. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine, yeah, right? Yeah. The domino hits the mouse, yeah. the mouse drops well, the basket. Well, then you know you're using Hootsuite for social media, and then Hootsuite changes their their yeah, yeah. system so that now oh it doesn't really work as well with the mm -hmm. others or it costs more you know because typically they yeah, give away yeah. the freebies and then they start charging so everyone's in this what do i use and how do i learn it and how much time should i spend learning this specific new yeah. software versus this other one yeah. and shouldn't i use this other one and whether maybe i should use that one yeah. and, it, and it's very daunting I, again we're in stressful times now i'm going to go back to the question though how do you get your research? Well, okay, let's get into that. You know, it used to be I could read every trend book per month. Now yeah. there's so many published all the time, I can't keep up. Yeah. Uh, it used to be that when the internet first started, I could get really juicy stats pretty easily. Now I'm trying to judge, is that valid? Is that false news? You know, who's mm -hmm. biased on that site to give me yeah, that Yeah, who's research? writing this up? Because every, yeah. I mean, all the, evaluate all, that the brands, all the brands and products yeah, and companies yeah. are writing their own news. Yeah, now, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, you know, what I typically do is I have a, a, a interview group Group. So experts in different areas. One of my uh, one of my people in that group is uh, uh, manages the the JP Morgan uh, mortgage fund. Mm -hmm. You know, so they have more credit cards than anywhere else in the world. I can get insight into is credit failure happening? What's mm -hmm. happening? You know, and so I've over time and doing different work, I've met experts. I've got an expert in AI and so on, and and so I talk with them basically on a monthly basis and I'll get group calls too where we discuss stuff but I'm trying to under oh. undercover how technology is going to affect needs so you know when I evaluate the blockchain I go wow that's real there's really some fundamental three core better benefits that could provide in so many different ways mm -hmm. and so I look at it not from the technology and the and all the details of the technology you know how many whatever 
you know, thousand megabytes or what? I don't care. But I'm looking at what could it potentially do. And in that one, you know, that is one of the most baffling things of all. Blockchain. Yeah. What are the What are the big benefits that blockchain provides? Well, you see, what it is, it's a distri- distributed um, uh, system rather than one player holds right. onto it, right? So uh, eventually, there'll be a, a different Uber, and it'll be all the Uber drivers running their own Uber system without a one entity taking a scream off the top. All right. So it's distributed. All the computer users using the system are the users and the owners of it, right? Mm-hmm. So what that means is that, um, uh, you know, for, say, monetary transactions, the other big advantage of, of blockchain is you could have a block, I could have a block, and I could transfer money directly to your block across uh, yeah. there, uh, across uh, any kind of barrier. It's not like you have borders. to deal with the Bank of Nigeria going to the Bank yeah. of Ireland, going yeah. to the Bank of America. And that's all old technology and yeah. steam engine stuff that's happening still with yeah. that, and they just have a trust system that allows you know, the money to flow. It's funny because I, you know, working with blockchain guys now, I know that the banks are getting very interested in it. Oh, they're all looking at it. Yeah, of yeah. course they are because I'm going, blockchain is going to eat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, you know, the... the Do you the, see the shades of Smith Corona? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, definitely. And they're all struggling with how do we make it relevant? How do we keep bank fees if everyone's got their blockchain? And the other yeah. aspect of the blockchain, of course, is that you can't change a block. Once it's closed, it's there. So yeah. it, be, it becomes less able to cook the book. Yeah. And so there'll be software invented. And this is where the blockchain's really exciting, is software will be overlaid on it. So, for example, to do your bookkeeping, where right. you enter debit credit in the blockchain, and then it'll just produce whatever financial statements you want in real time. Right? So it, there's real advantages when you take the blockchain technology and start applying it. But then you go to Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies. What's the advantage there? Well, unless it's actually used as a tool of monetary uh, yeah. Exchange, there isn't really advantage I've, other than speculation. I've given up on that. Yeah, that seems like, like, like fourteen hundred of them. You know? I know that seems like a total. So, you know, it's kind of like if you said, "Wow, computer error is true. Let's bet on it." You probably have bought. Uh, oh, what would you have bought? Uh, Commodore mm-hmm. <laughs> in the early days, mm-hmm. right? Because it was the first kind of or breakout. Some, yeah, Scion or whatever that thing was called. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. The guys in the yeah. physics lab always have those. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, what's going to be the winner is a hard bet, even if you've got the sector right. Yeah. You know? Uh, oh, but, man. you know, and, and let's take the better benefits when we go into regional planning. You know, what's happening now is new levels of collaboration is one of the themes of the new economy. And in any region, how do we create uh, employment for a region? And typically, because there's so much research in technology, if that region has a technology lead where there's research being done, could we cornerstone that technology, bring in partnerships in the private sector and businesses to actually launch those new products mm-hmm. with the help of the public sector and the research going on at the university level and actually root the jobs in the region. So all across the world, they're trying to create these clusters. And I'm brought into clusters constantly because what's missing in every cluster is the better benefit dreams. Yeah, they get well. They get enamored with the shiny new they, lures, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so in Regina, they say, "Hey, per capita basis, we have more software people than other cities." So, hey, we're uh, we've got a software cluster. So they bring in all the software people. Hey, that thou shalt be a cluster, and it becomes just a lobby group for them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's no real results or companies formed or you yeah. know cross pollination of ideas. It just becomes that. So, uh, what I would look at is let's see if we can combine things and create a better benefit. So, if I look at the future of agriculture, we're moving to a world of customization in all fields because right. technology allows that. Right. Dr. Scholl, you can have your foot you 
know, look yeah, yeah. to customize the shoes, right, right. in the store. So, um, you know, with uh, with agriculture, I think uh, ultimately we're moving into precision agriculture. For every seed planet, will be a different depth in the future, right? Based on micro soil and climate and lessons mm-hmm. learned over the past, and, and monitoring too, right? Yeah, and so you can monitor the soil. monitoring yeah. with big data at the micro level at the each square inch of soil. Yeah, right? yeah. And so what that means is, couldn't Canada be the world leader in smart farm equipment? All that's going to change, right? I know. I'm going to make a phone call after this. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, well, you've got all those software people in Regina. What are they working on? Well, couldn't we create, and let's bring the different people together. So in Peterborough, we created um, uh, a cluster that, uh, Peterborough, Ontario, which uh, in part had nine different commercial avenues, but one was to uh, take DNA test kits and be the world leader in DNA test kits. So in other words, if you're uh, you know, in healthcare, we're gonna all be tested with DNA and it's gonna be customized medication based on our DNA and the mm-hmm. DNA of our cancer and the DNA of the treatment, <laughs> mm-hmm. seeing which works, right? And so um, you know, what, uh, what really what we're looking at there is, is, uh, is the ultimate in precision, you know, the ultimate in precision um, medicine and customization. So we're moving to a world where it's going to be increasingly customized, which is a real challenge for government. Because mm-hmm. government, you know, when I when I look at the future of old age homes, you know, they only want three versions because then they can monitor it, approve yeah, of course. it, and, ma- and manage it. Well, that's because it's... But so how many it, versions should there be? Well, that's the thing. It's, a, it's supply-side management, right? Yeah, this is yeah. what we got, so therefore you'll, this is what you're going to like. Let's yeah. put the marketing guys on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Jim, I want to get a hold of you. I want to tap your big brain for... Uh, for future thinking and for for brand consultation, how, do, how how the heck do I get a hold of you? How do I look you up? Oh well, uh, certainly um, uh, my website is jimbottomley.com. It's J I M B O T T O M L E Y dot com. That's L E Y. L E Y, yeah. And um, my email is jimbottomley one at gmail dot com. And also, of course, I mean, everybody can just dial me up. I'll put you on towards Jim. But, you know, it's funny because we started this saying, hey, you're a brand consultant just like me, but you're doing stuff. Well, you know, that's I, I resist the brand consultant. And one of these, I, I, I share a story, and this is this better benefit, and it also relates to the whole aspect of you have more than one business, everyone. Yeah, yeah. So the most successful real estate agent in, in Canada, because I've worked with the real estate agent pretty heavily, uh, and I think, you know, I know the, one of the two big players, he's the most successful. Uh, he has 11 different business cards. So if you say to him, you're in the elevator, right? Hey, what business? Oh, I'm in real estate. What, what business you, would you like me what, to be in? Yeah, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for a luxury home. Out comes the gold-studded, diamond-embossed luxury specialist card. That's For funny. the luxury market. So, you know, when typically someone asks what business I'm in, it depends. You know, I'm a professional speaker, and I think I'm up to like 270,000 people served at this point. But if you ask me as a professional speaker, what are my better benefits? Well, A, I look at the future in a different way uh, that provides better insight to you in making your future better because I look at the needs and how they change, which is unlike everyone else, how they do it. And yeah. it always provides insight to improve the way you uh, move forward into your future. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Mark. Let's do this again. It's been really fun. We can do it again as soon as we hang up. Sure. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Talk to you soon. That's been Jim Bottomley. Thanks for listening to the show. Future smiles. (laughs) You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast for brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. 